So from August onwards, we're all together gathering then and with a mid-month podcast, we're going to start looking at and going on a journey of the art and importance of storytelling, um, kind of to, to help us craft our own stories and to kind of give us insight into just how powerful they are for the kingdom um, and really taking our lead from Jesus as the master, master storyteller. You know, how skillfully he used story all the time. And he actually used a lot of metaphor and mystery to draw people in to discovering him, discovering more about the kingdom of heaven, um, salvation. He just, he always used it and it invited questions. It just invited people to kind of partner in that discovery. It's really interesting. So as his followers, we're going to do the same. We're, I think it's really important for us to kind of really lean into that aspect of Jesus's ministry craft, which was so powerful um so i've got a couple of reasons as to why and what we're going to be looking at and like why i think stories our own stories and also like historic stories as well like biblical also like our own personal history family stuff micro church stuff gathering whatever it is church history is really important too so the first one for me is worship so stories are really powerful reminders and pointers to point us back to Jesus and to Yahweh in a posture of thanksgiving and off the back of that remembrance as well like remembrance is like a call to obedience from the Lord he always tells everyone to remember do you know thinking of like Caleb and uh, Joshua when they were going out and he's like be strong and courageous and remember what the Lord your God has done how he has saved you in the past like historic stories of how God has moved in the past builds faith and higher expectation levels for God to move in the present. The past informs the present for us. And it also increases, remembrance also increases our capacity for perseverance as well. I think, which is a fruit of, of faithfulness. It just reminds us. So we don't get in that mindset of, you know, Elijah, when he'd done that epic kind of mountaintop thing of seeing fire call down from heaven and defeating all the false prophets and all that. And then he went into the wilderness and was like i'm the only one left and god's like it's okay you're not there's like thousands of people but chill out remember you know um okay so next one is connection stories connect us into the big picture narrative of god and remind us that he's continually building and establishing his kingdom here on earth and what that does i think is it doesn't let us fall into that hopeless place that elijah was in but it helps us to maintain and build purpose and it builds our identity like as individuals, as families, as microchurches too. I think it, it reminds us of our purpose and it brings a unity and identity together. So really quick example, and this is from um, the lecture that Pete Gregg's been doing, which has been really fun. Um, so he says, the Israelites during the Babylonian exile had totally lost their identity because they'd lost their sense of history which caused them to then be shipwrecked without their purpose and destiny. So an example of what uh, God says to them in this moment of loss and of kind of no man's land of floating without their purpose is in Isaiah 51. And it says, listen to me, you who pursue righteousness, you who seek the Lord, look to the rock from which you were cut and to the quarry from which you were dug. Look to Abraham, your father, and to Sarah, who gave birth to you in pain. When I called him, he was only one, but I blessed him and made him many. For the Lord will comfort Zion. He will comfort all her waste places. And he will make her wilderness like Eden and her desert like the garden of the Lord. 
Joy and gladness will be found in her. Thanksgiving, a melodious song. Pay attention to me, my people, and listen to me, my nation. For instruction will come from me, and my justice for a light to the nations. So, remembering our own stories, and the stories of our microchurches as well, and actually the garden's really good at that. Um, even your name is the history of who you guys are, and your identity is woven into the name. It builds deep unity and identity together, which really underp- underpins who we are and what we do in the work we do out on mission. So that was stories connecting us to the narrative. Another point that we'll look at is stories draw people together. So our stories impart hope to those that don't know Jesus yet, and they open a door for them to encounter Jesus and to begin to s- discover more about him. God like you actively uses stories and our own stories, our own testimonies to grow a hunger inside people as an invitation to lean into mystery because in mystery there is intimacy there is relationship that's what god wants and to for the, for these people to find out more as they draw closer to him through our own storytelling through our own stories and it connects them to that there's a verse in ecclesiastes that says that the lord has placed eternity in the hearts of man so everyone in them has this like anchor to their creator right we're all made in his image and i think our stories tap into that connection even if people don't know it there's some kind of unlocking a door of mystery there to to them connecting with the father's heart you know which is really interesting so i wanted to tell you this now to give you a taste of what's to come because i'm really excited we're excited about this right yeah. it should be fun and to get you like talking and, and thinking about this in your micro churches because that's what this is here for this like monthly gathering is here to bless supplement encourage the micro churches the microchurches is always where it's at. They're always the most important. That's why we often do these on awkward weekends, on like the bank holidays, on the fourth Sundays, whatever it is, because we actually want to give the best time to the microchurches. Um, and it's, yeah, this encouragement with storytelling, I, I actually want you guys to like think through this this summer as microchurches. So I've got like two things for you to do that you can have a go at so I just want you to write down two stories two of your own stories so one from like your history historic past so it could be like when you were a kid as far back as you want um I still I told a story of when I was a kid to someone two weeks ago at Ash's football training um I use that story a lot because it for me it it's a way of like showing them the father's heart of love um even though it happened 30 years ago, you know. Um, so write a story down like that and then write a story, another story down from your recent past. So the past couple of years. And these stories, like it's good to to use like pivot moments, transition moments, big moments, good or bad. Um, the reason being is that those are often the times that we see God move more clearly than others through you, through your circumstances, make sure you write in the narrative let it let it be the kind of what happened the material but also let the spiritual jump in there and you can almost like you could maybe write down this is a story and then you can read it through with the lord and then like put in this is what god did this is who he was to me this is what happened and this is how he moved or this is what i discovered about god into the story as well um and then charlotte will love this chat she's always saying this remember the valleys like celebrate celebrate the valleys and the places where God's like love really shines through is in those darker places. Like often in the valleys, 
is where we see God's true character and his love and compassion are really revealed. Actually more maybe than the mountaintop experiences, as amazing as they are to remember. And I'm not saying don't remember those because they're really encouraging. Write them down, but also don't disregard the valleys and the hard times as well. So that's going to be our like, journey in the autumn storytelling. It's going to be fun. Um, all right, so I'm going to jump on. I actually want to put an invitation out there to all of you guys this summer, and that is to rest, to have a rest. And I was thinking about this. I'm like, how often do people like teaching at a church or whatever say to people, just stop doing stuff? But I actually want to encourage you guys to like, put rest above doing stuff like let rest be the most important thing um kingdom ministry wise um the summer is a good chance for us to reset a couple of things like life rhythms change they shift of course we still have to work stuff still goes on life happens we have to pay bills we have to do shopping you know we have to clean the house stuff like that look after kids but summer's just a bit different most of us go on holidays or have a wee break and it's just a good invitational moment for us to make the most of to align with rest in the mid-year because spring has been this year has been really busy and intense autumn's going to be the same it's always really busy and then before we know it we're at christmas and you're like what the heck happened we're already there so i just want to invite you and bless you and release you guys to rest in the summer to rest really well as individuals and as micro churches too even like tangibly shift things to align with rest like what could that look like that'd be a good question to ask your micro church how can we align with rest together over the summer months you know july and august and the reason is rest is really important because it's countercultural. like everything in the western culture in the uk where we are where we live and work and breathe is based around work works our identity works where you find worth and it's upside down in the kingdom, right? Rest aligns us with the most foundational element of our purpose here on earth. To live as God's children and to sit centrally in his love first before we even think about taking a step forward in action. So we are first and foremost worshippers, not workers. We, first of all, we are worshippers of God not workers for God and firstly we're mystics what I mean what I mean by that is we're, we're people concerned with that relentless pursuit of God with pursuing ever deepening intimacy with God so we're first mystics and not missionaries our first pursuit is God and that's what rest does it helps us to realign to get the order right the kingdom order which is upside down to the world and the order is really important because if we if we don't live and work as the Lord intends I think we'll find ourselves like burning out and growing weary and getting tired and maybe discouraged and here's a couple of verses for you so 1 John four nineteen says we love because he first loved us his love came first and then we can move out in love and then Jesus says in in Matthew 10 freely you have received so freely give there's an order to it. You receive and then you give. You can't multiply zero. You can't give away nothing. And one of our like spiritual mottos that we've always said 
and that we live by in the gathering is you can only give away to others what you yourself carry. So in other words, if, if we want to like authentically impact others with the love of the gospel of Jesus, then we need to be walking in that love too. And if we want others to discover Jesus, then surely we need to be discovering him too. Daily, walking in a, a spirit and a posture of, Lord, I want to discover and know more about you. I want to be close to you. You know, if we want our friends to encounter and our families to encounter the marvel of God's love, then we need to carry and steward a holy wonder for his love too. Otherwise, how do we expect other people to do that if we don't? Do you know, it's authentic. And all of these elements that we're talking about, they don't come from working, but they come from being and sitting with the Lord, right? And that's why some is really good because stuff changes and it, it gives us maybe a bit more space than other times of the year to just set some like intentional restful postures in place that will hopefully carry through into the busier seasons so that even though when stuff is busy and when time is pinched, we can continue to have a posture of rest. And it's a funny one. I'm still, I, I'm not 100% on what like rest truly looks like. It's really hard. <laughs> but I think it doesn't mean not working. Like working is like a biblical mandate. Working hard and doing well is something that God has called us to, right? But also rest is an intentional posture of the heart that he's called us to. And it involves like actively leaning into our identity as sons and daughters of the most high God. So for me, this is what I found in my own personal experience. Like resting is an exercise in identity. It's where you're like, everything is stripped back. And if you really know your identity in God, you can rest really well. Um, and I've got a quick story to highlight it. So, but first, like maybe you'll, you'll get it if you're like me. If you've ever set aside some time to be with the Lord and just to rest with him, but then in that moment you get there, you're really frustrated. You find it really hard or the moment's entirely stolen by distractions, stuff going on in the house, you're cleaning, you're the, you know, whatever it is. Or your mind is just like, oh, go and watch this thing. Oh, remember that thing on YouTube? Oh, what about that floor you should buy? Oh, you know, just the stupid stuff all the time. Um, like that, that's what I'm talking about. Um, I just, like, that's my battle all the time. I experience it all the time. So here's a story for you. Most of you know, we recently got a big mad dog called Blue, a big fluffy golden retriever. And we've had him now for 10 weeks, just about 10 weeks. And... So two and a half months, the change in him is dramatic, right? It's crazy. He's an entirely different dog. And when we first got him, he was crying all night. He was howling in the garden. We put him out there. Oh, wasn't he? He was yeah. just like, what are you doing? Um, barking at other dogs randomly. There was no sense of security. He would never properly rest or sit down in the house. And he was actually quite full of anxiety, yeah. wasn't he? He's quite an anxious dog. So when we first got him, he didn't know where his home was or how he belonged or who he was. He didn't know where his safety, his comfort, his security came from. But now we're, we're 10 weeks in, he doesn't cry at all anymore. He actually, like, at bedtime will happily walk and go and lie down on his bed and enjoys his own peace and time in the garden and realises that, oh, it's nice to be outside and I get to be out there and watch the, the aeroplanes. He loves doing that, doesn't he? It's very cute. He stopped howling, stopped crying. He's very centered around other dogs and actually loves playing with them and stuff. Now doesn't bark anymore. And 
he enjoys his time on his own during the day after a walk in his bed. So he went from that um, kind of orphan spirit to now knowing where he belongs, where his home is. And because of that, he can rest. Because of that, he feels safe, do you know? So in order to rest well, you need to know where your home is. And you need to know that you are loved, that you're chosen, that you're set free and you're delighted in by God because of who you are and not because of anything you have or haven't done. Like that, they're the things that help us rest. Do you know, the identity pieces. Right, listen to this. This is 1 John 4 again, 16 to 18. God is love. And whoever lives in love lives in God and God lives in them. There is no fear in love, but perfect love drives out fear because fear has to do with punishment. I think love is like equivalent with rest. You can rest if you're loved. You can rest if you know that God loves you. Um, So I've been reading a book by this guy called Watchman Nee, a total legend. He kind of fathered a, (laughs) a... a microchurch movement before they were even called microchurches because they couldn't do anything else. He was in China, the underground church. They had no other option. He did it from 1923 to 1950. He started when he was 20. He was really young. And then he was in prison for the work he'd done for the kingdom because it exploded, as we know, the underground church in China. And it still is, you know. He was arrested and imprisoned and died in prison in 1972. But he he said this because he, he talks about, like, sit, stand and walk and they're all being really intentional postures that believers and followers of Jesus should take. And sit being the most important one, the one that actually enables you to walk and to stand. And you can't walk and you can't stand without sitting in God's presence first. So this is his words. He says, God made Jesus to sit and made us to sit with him. So let us first consider the implications of this word sit. As we have said, it reveals the secret of a heavenly life. Christianity does not begin with walking, it begins with sitting. The Christian era began with Christ, of whom we are told that when he had made purification of sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high. And that's Hebrews 1.3. With equal truth, we can say that the individual Christian, their life begins with a person in Christ, with them in Christ. That is to say, when we by faith We see ourselves seated together with Christ up in the heavens. So most Christians make the mistake of trying to walk in order to be able to sit there. But that is a reversal of the true order. Our natural reason says, if we do not walk, how can we ever reach the goal? What can we attain without effort? How can we ever get anywhere if we do not move? But Christianity is an upside down business. If at the outset we try to do anything, we get nothing. If we seek to attain something, we miss everything. For Christianity begins not with a big do, but with a big done. That's good. Christianity begins not with a big do, but with a big done. Thus, Ephesians opens with the statement that God has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ. And we're invited at the very outset to sit down and enjoy what God has done for us. And not to set out and try and attain it for ourselves. Oofed. That's good. So we're going to go into like a prophetic exercise in a moment. But I just want to close with these thoughts for you. I want 
you guys and all your microchurches to rest in the summer and to come back in the autumn not weary but faith-filled and expectant for the Lord to move and ready to partner and walk with him from that place of rest. And rest doesn't mean, it doesn't mean running away, ignoring everything, isolating ourselves or numbing ourselves with distractions. It means intentionally choosing to lean into the presence of the Lord, making those small sacrifices that show our desire that we actually want to posture our hearts to rest in the Lord and sit with the Lord. It's like, Lord, look what I'm doing. Like I'm inviting you in with my time, with my response, with these small shifts in my life. Like you still work, you still meet and connect as a microchurch, you still do the usual things, but maybe we can just make a bit more space in our week to move rest up the list of priorities. So a, a good example of where to start, in my opinion, is to list the things that give you life and enjoyment. Not list the things that we think we should be doing, because that is discipline. And I think discipline is, an, is a, an act of work and not rest. So rest should be having fun, being together with people you love, maybe going for a walk, not a prayer walk. Prayer walk is like, boom, kingdom work, go for a walk with God instead. Do you know what I mean? Just go for a walk or a run or sit somewhere lovely. Um, Sip a coffee first thing in the morning, but don't scroll your phone for 15 minutes. You know, that's mine, that's mine, I'm gonna do that. Or wake up 15 minutes earlier, so you have that extra 15 minutes and just sit with the Lord with or without a coffee, whatever, or just be with the Lord. Like when I say sit, I just mean be with him. So whatever works best for you, it could be a run, a walk, standing somewhere, um, or at the, the other end of the day, choose not to watch Netflix immediately after work is done or after kids bedtime or after dinner, but go for a walk instead or just sit or do something, do the same 15 minutes five minutes, 10 minutes, whatever it could be. And also like have some fun with the Lord, like do something different. My excuse all the time is I love playing golf and I genuinely like, it's a beautiful place where I encounter God and have so much fun. And it's just, honestly, (laughs) I need to play golf for Rose. (laughs) For the Lord. Um. Also, like microchurches, could you shift your rhythms, simplify them to eating and enjoying and having fun together? Maybe something like that over the summer. Could you read the Bible in a different way? Controversially, our friend Darren Rusko stopped reading the Bible for a month because it was an act of oughtness and religion. And he, he felt amazing when he did it and prideful when he did it and guilty when he didn't. So he actually intentionally stopped. And I'm like, oh, that's so don't read your bible i'm saying if the lord leads you to that then that's okay but also maybe you could read your bible in a different way like i like reading like a verse in a day sometimes and then going on bible hub bible hub and looking at like the original like words um and just seeing where they came from how it works and it's just really interesting or do a different translation or be spontaneous don't read to a plan or just don't hold yourself to to the guilt or the you know, the things that push you back into discipline and work and that kind of mentality. So, okay, let's do, let's do some response time, okay? Is that okay? Right, I'm just gonna, I'm gonna send you a photo. So years ago, our weekend away, I always remember Roger for this. 
remember, um, maybe it was Bill or Jill, maybe both of them, um, they spoke about going to, like, sanctified imagination, like, place with the Lord and, like, mountaintop or whatever it is. Um, so here's one for you. This was actually where I wrote this chat out. It's AB's um, lock near Mugduk, and it's beautiful. Have a look at that, and I want you to, like, go there with the Lord in a second with, like, your sanctified imagination and just sit there, take it in, let your senses take it all in, and imagine the Lord sitting with you too, just resting together. Um, so we're also, I'm going to lead you in like a bit of a Lectio moment with Psalm 23 and invite the Holy Spirit in. And then I'm going to give you two questions to ask the Lord for you to like ask him. And then I want you to like write down whatever he says to you. So I just want you to just still your breathing. And like it says in Lectio 365, like we, we center our scattered senses on the presence of the Lord just to be able to connect with him in that place now and using our sanctified imagination to, to be in communion, to be in friendship with him. So Lord, we just invite you into that place, into our minds, our spirits, our bodies. I see your, your presence, Prince of Peace, just to still us now, to be with us. And this is Psalm 23, 1 to 3. Just allow these to, to wash over you as you sit in that place with the Lord. The Lord is my shepherd. And there is nothing I lack. He lets me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. And he renews my life. And again, the Lord is my shepherd. There is nothing I lack. He lets me lie down in green pastures and he leads me beside quiet waters. He renews my life. And now these are the two questions for you just to sit with the Lord and ask him to stew over them one by one and then just write down anything you receive from him. So number one, what is stopping me from resting more fully in you? You're asking that to the Lord. Lord, what is stopping me from resting more fully in you? And the second question, what one thing can I practically change to align more to rest in you, Jesus? So what one thing can I practically change to align to rest more in you, Jesus? So I'll give us like five minutes. And if you're listening to this on the podcast, feel free just to pause it right now. Pause the recording and just take however long you need to. Put some music on and just reflect with the Lord right now um, and write down your responses to these questions. Okay. Yeah. In Jesus' name, I bless you guys with a supernatural ability to rest and a freedom to be with the Lord 
without any pretense or aim, goal, but just to be with him for your friendship with Jesus to, to increase and to go deeper and and through that for your identity to be founded even more solidly in our rock and our fortress and our great provider, our saviour and the guardian and shepherd of our souls and our hearts and the one who eternity is found in. So I just bless you with that in these summer months and bless you all with health. Bless your kids and your family and your home with peace and health too in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Amen.